You know, we've been walking through this series. And just for a moment, I want to just kind of highlight the importance of it. You know, the first week, Megan kind of spoke about um, how important our worldview is and how that kind of shapes everything we see. And Scott talked about how do I know God loves me? He loves us through suffering and leads us through the valley. And Matt last week kind of helped us, helped us see the importance of the Bible and how the Bible is true and how we can trust it. And this, this week, I'm going to be sharing with you how do I know that Jesus is the only way. So before we get into it, though, we need to discuss the importance of the series and how we understand it. So uh, the age of relativism and that the truth is subjective, that's kind of the rise. We're seeing this in culture. We've seen it in, in youth culture for a while. It's talking about my truth. And here's the thing. There, there is truth. The concrete is hard. Rain is wet. And the New England Patriots are evil. Okay? <laughs> There are just certain truths, thank you. There are certain truths that we hold, I'm just messing. Well, you, you, know, you know the thing. So anyways, the, uh, the, the age of relativism, we see uh, moral relativism encompasses the differences in moral judgment uh, and among people and cultures. Epistemic relativism uh, holds that there are, there's no absolute facts regarding the norms of beliefs, justification, or rationality. Uh, and lethic relativism is that the doctrine is, is that there is no absolute truths. But we know that that's not true because if you fall off of a ladder, you're going to hit the floor and it's going to hurt because the concrete is hard. That doesn't change. There is no my truth in that. So that's what we're talking about. And the results of this is showing um, in our country and in youth culture specifically Charles Stanley always said, uh, we're either in the process of resisting God's truth or we are in the process of being molded by his truth. And um, it, it, if there's something that, that shocked me, I was reading um, the articles uh, on the interwebs, so they're totally, totally true. But this is actually from Newsweek. Um, and I read that the headline read, 52% of Americans say that Jesus isn't God, but was a great teacher. And the survey uh, conducted by Legionnaire Ministries, a Florida-based nonprofit, uh, found that 52% of U.S. adults say that they believe Jesus is not God, but was a great teacher. The concerning part of that to me that's so, that's so disturbing is, it, is does it concern anybody else in the room that 52% of Americans don't acknowledge Jesus as God? So the line that stuck out to me here is this. It's clear that the church does not have the luxury of idly standing by. This is a time for Christians, for Christ followers, to study scripture diligently, engage confidently with people in our culture, and witness fearlessly to the identity and the saving work of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Can I get a good amen to that? Today is the day. We cannot afford to let someone else do that job. If you're a Christ follower and you believe that the Bible is truth, it should change everything. 
It should affect everything, every part of your life. It, God doesn't just fit into a box on your shelf, like, of your life, okay? God is your shelf. God is the shelf that everything flows out of. And this talking about a biblical worldview, how do you view the world? Do you view it through the lens of culture and what culture says is acceptable? Or do you view it through the word of God? So I want to encourage you. This, we as Christ followers have this privilege to share the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves with the world. And if there's ever been a stat that, 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 that messes with you is that someone enters eternity every 1.8 seconds. 1.8 seconds. Someone enters eternity. Church, we can't just let someone else do this job. This is, a, this is an urgent call to go and make disciples of every nation. Okay? Gen Z, the generation uh, that is born 19, after 1996, it makes up 20% of the world's population. Research by Barna reveals that only 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview. I read another startling stat this week that three out of five Gen Z students will admit that they've, they don't read the Bible at all. This is, this is concerning because we're trying to show them and preach them a Jesus that they have no knowledge of, that they're not, they're not reading the scripture. If we believe everything in the Bible is true, it should affect everything, okay? Our relationships, our calendar, our priorities. I hope you understand the importance of this. I've been walking around this way this week, the feeling of this, the importance of this message, the importance of this series, how critical it is that we, we teach truth to our children, okay? Because if we don't, culture is going to teach them there is no truth and that whatever they feel is true is truth. And that's not the case. Okay, so we are going to be reading out of the ESV version this morning. Um, we've got the notes on the screen. You've got the notes in your handout. Uh, if you want to follow along in the version app, you can. But before I get too far into this, I know that sometimes people zone out. I know students can for sure. So I go ahead. Let's get the, the pen out. We're going to write the big idea. Everybody ready? Here we go. Jesus is the way. That's the big idea from this morning. If you take nothing else away, that Jesus is the way. The way sounds exclusive, doesn't it? Hangs people up. It's a heavy weight uh, to carry that is Christianity exclusive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to that. But let's look. John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. John wrote this uh, gospel. It's the earliest recorded gospel that we have of Jesus' life. Let's go ahead and look at it. Verse 6, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice a couple things. He didn't say he was a way or one of the ways. He said he is the way. There's only one way to drive on a road unless you want to get hit by a car, right? And that's the right lane. 
you got to go the right direction, okay? Let's turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Listen, the world religions, you know, Buddhism as the path to enlightenment is attained by utilizing morality, meditation, and wisdom. Hinduism is the reincarnation cycle uh, where you strive to live a certain way. And when you live good enough, you reach uh, the absolute soul and you become a part of that. Islam lives by five pillars and within themselves to save themselves by following the guidance of Allah. But Christianity, Christianity is different because all other religions are man earning a way to God. Christianity is God reaching man. Christianity is God reaching man. Because God wrapped himself in flesh and came down and lived the life that only he could live. To die a death to give us access to him. To restore us to communion with the Father. Jesus coming down as a little baby. Remember Christmas is coming, right? Christmas is coming. That's why, man, I love Christmas. I'll play Christmas music right now. You know what my favorite, my favorite movie is? Elf. Here it is, all right? I'm going to go ahead and give you, thank you, thank you. Listen, here we go. So before, yeah, I'll say it. Oh, man, this is really going to be judgmental, but hey, here we go. Um, usually after Halloween, at some point in time, I think, I think Halloween might be a Saturday this year. I'm not 100% sure. If it's not a Saturday, it's a Friday. Probably after Halloween, we'll set up the Christmas tree. Because the dead bird that I smoked on my, on my barbecue and put on my table is not offended by twinkling Christmas lights. Okay? So before we get to Thanksgiving, my Christmas tree is going to be up. Uh, but man, when Jesus came down as a little baby in a manger, the purpose was to restore us back to communion with the Father. He, he was literally born to die because it was about the cross. And then we get to celebrate that with Easter Reese's eggs, right? Come on, somebody shout amen to that. Listen, Christianity, you don't have to strive. You don't have to work. You don't have to earn your way into anything. The Father has simply given us a gift. His name is Jesus, and you simply have to receive him. That's it. That's the good news, is that the Father made a way. He says in John 6, 29, says, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one that he has sent. And the claim that that is exclusive is a lie. It's an absolute lie from the enemy, and he uses it to deceive people and distract people. Truth is exclusive. If it's true, it's true. It doesn't matter where you're sitting at or what angle you see. Truth is truth, okay? All through Scripture, we see whosoever, whoever, all. So I did a little word study. I like words. I like to look what they mean. Here we go. You ready? Whoever. In the Webster's Dictionary, citation for all of you watching online. Whoever, 
Whatever person, no matter who, even Buckeye fans, okay? Here we go. I looked it up, what it, whoever, I, I used John 3.16, and I looked it up in the Greek, and what, what, it, what that word means is each, every, any, all, the whole, say this word with me, everyone. Go ahead and say it, yeah, everyone. All things, everything, okay? So the claim that Christianity is exclusive is simply a lie. Because anyone can come to Jesus. Everyone can come to Jesus. Are you thankful this morning that anyone can come to him? Amen? It is critical that we see this. We must not let the truth that Jesus is the only way offend us so much that we cannot rejoice that there is a way. Amen? So, how do I know that Jesus is the only way? Well, you know, if we want to look at the attributes of God, that'll help us grasp this concept. So God's character gives us a greater picture of his nature. So the first point this morning is God is good. God is good. Psalms 119, 68, it says, you are good and do good. Chew on that for a minute. You are good and do good. Psalms 86, 5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to who? To all who call upon you. Would you say this verse is an inclusive verse? I would. You know, uh, how many of you guys played hide and seek? Anybody growing up? I did. So my mom uh, worked at a church. And in the summer, my sister and I would be at the church, you know, for a solid period of the day. And we would play hide-and-seek throughout the church. Any, any, any church kids in the house that did that? Yeah, yeah. Play hide-and-seek throughout the church. So one day, the janitor was walking and he showed me where the attic access was. And uh, I never lost my sister again. Because <laughs> I've never been a small fellow. Uh, and hide-and-seek is not necessarily my forte. Um, but attic access will help that out. So, um, you know, but God isn't hiding. God isn't hiding. In the garden, when Adam and Eve took of the fruit, who went looking for who? Who went looking for who? God went looking for Adam and Eve. They hid, and they saw their shame, and they hid and tried to make fig leaf clothes, right? God went looking for Adam and Eve. God is a hiding. Psalms 98.2, it says, The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. In the sight of the nations, everyone has seen it. He has revealed himself to all. Second point this morning is that God is just. God is just. God has a principle, is that if you seek him, you'll find him. I said he isn't playing hide and seek. If you seek him, you'll find him. Jesus spoke about this principle 
in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Okay? So he's not hiding. In Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm going to be heading there next. Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, I, uh, I, I had a Bible given to me by my parents. I think they, they gave us Easter, around Easter time. I was a teenager. They gave me this Bible, and inside of it had Jeremiah 29, 11. It said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I think that's a really common verse we've all heard at some point in time if we've grown up in church. But the next few, I'm going to read them to you. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That is written in the Bible, which we know is truth. And we know the Holy Spirit breathed on authors and pinned these words through them. So that is written from God, right? He doesn't break promises. He doesn't lie. He says, if you call out to me and search me with all of your heart, you'll find me. Okay? God isn't hiding. He's revealing himself to all humanity. Okay? Deuteronomy 4.29, it says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Listen, it is not about the volume of the knowledge you acquire. It is about the intensity of your search. You have to seek him with your, all your heart, okay? So, the, um, there was a man, I'm gonna tell you a story about, uh, Kaboo. He was the prince of the Crew tribe. I believe we've got a picture of that. Samuel Kabu Morris. Uh, he was the prince of the Crew tribe, and he was taken captive at age 14 by a rival tribe. And that rival tribe told, the, told Kabu's father, the chief, said, if you want to see your son, you'll bring, you can bring gifts. And he would bring gifts month, monthly and uh, eventually the, the rival tribe stopped accepting the gifts and then began beating Kabu daily. And these daily beatings eventually got him to the point that, like, he's, he's going to die, okay? And one of, those, one of those days, he cried out to God. He said, God, I want to know you. I don't even know if you're real. And a bright light flashed above him and he looked down and his ropes were off his hands. And he heard a voice said, run. So Kabu took off into the jungle and lived off of snail and mango for days. Now, I don't know about you. I was a royal ranger. And uh, I do not look at snail and mango and think, man, that, that sounds delicious. Okay. But Kabu lived off of snail and mango until he got to 
a coffee plantation, and there he found work. And he was working at this coffee plantation who was, that was owned by a former slave. And the former slave, the owner, began to teach him about Jesus, began to tell him about Jesus. And as Kabu learned who Jesus was, he said, I want to know more. And the coffee plantation owner just said, well, you know, we've, we learned from a missionary in New York City. So Kabu set off to the port, and when he got to the port, he found a, a, a boat that was heading to New York, and he went to the, the captain and said, I want to join your crew. And the captain said, I'm sorry, I don't have a need for any, any other crewmen, I'm, I'm all booked. At that moment, two of his crew came up and said they quit. So the captain hired Kabu to, to come on his crew on the journey to New York City. And when he got to New York City, he found the missionary Stephen Merritt. And the, uh, the missionary took him in and began to disciple Kabu as he lived with him, and we go to church with him. And as Kabu began to grow as a disciple, the, the church that he was attending in New York raised up enough money to send him to Taylor University to go to school, to go to seminary. And at the time, Taylor University was based in Fort Wayne. So they got Kabu, who had taken the English name Samuel Morris, to Taylor University. And once he was at Taylor, he began classes. And uh, he began inspiring his, his fellow classmates to go to Africa, because that was his mission. He was going to go to Africa as a missionary and bring, take the gospel with him, share the gospel. However, God had different plans. Kabu, after being there for, for two years, contracted pneumonia and died. And there's, there's a dormitory today at Taylor University, Samuel Morris Hall, and the funds from... Uh, the book, I think it's, uh, I can't, I mean, I'm, I should have wrote that book down, but there's a book and a movie. Um, but Samuel Morris inspired hundreds of his classmates to go to Africa to share the gospel. God is revealing himself to all. He's not hiding. God is a loving God who reveals himself to every person. He is a just God who is found by every person who seeks him. And the third thing you need to know is that God is love. God is love. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Anyone in the whole world, all, the Father desires no one to perish. The Father desires that all would come to him. C.S. Lewis said, there's only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. I, uh, 
I was looking through the scripture and I saw everybody knows when Jesus wept the first time we see John eleven thirty five. 35 says he, he Jesus wept and I, I remember I was in school and for some reason that was like a, a random trivia question what the shortest verse in the Bible was I got it right my entire class was like what how did he know that but the second time Jesus wept he wept as he was coming into Jerusalem. In Luke 19, it highlights, it says, but as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but now it is too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in this place. Listen to this. Because you did not recognize when God visited you because you did not recognize when God visited you. Jesus wept the first time because he saw the loss that Mary and Martha had experienced, but he wept the second time because Jerusalem had rejected him. He wept because they lost something because they missed out, because God is a good God and he is faithful to be found when we look for him. And his love is greater than anything that we can comprehend. And he wants to be in a relationship with you. He gave it all. He gave it all. John 3, 17, the next verse, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God is a good God who loves humanity. And he has offered his Son as a sacrifice for all to pay the penalty of sin. It's already been paid. The work has already been done. All you have to do is receive the gift of salvation. That's it. 